Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Deconstructing the Myth Season 3, a season full of conversations about how to move forward with life during and after deconstruction. Today I chat with David Hayward, known online as Naked Pastor. He is an artist, former evangelical pastor, and such a light for so many of us in the deconstruction space. We chat today about how he has come to think of God, his own spiritual life, and how his art has come to embody that experience as well. David, I am so happy that you are here today, and I, I appreciate you being flexible with me and all my time zone issues. You are coming at us from Canada, you said, correct? Yeah. So I didn't actually yeah. know. I think I definitely thought you were in America, and that's actually interesting because for my podcast, I talk about uh, American evangelical Christianity, but really it's Western evangelical Christianity, I suppose, if we really think about it. So, well, and not only that, like I, like 90% of my followers are in America. Um, I, I went to Bible college in the USA. I, w- I got my seminary masters in the USA and I married an American woman <laughs> and our three kids are, are dual citizens, Canadian and American. Okay. So yeah, yeah, I'm good. You are. We'll accept you, I guess. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, I, I, I forget sometimes when I'm always it, it online. I talk a lot about America, this America, that, and I have quite a few people say, "Well, I'm yep. from you know elsewhere." A lot of people from Europe, actually. But um, it's really hmm. what you and I discuss in our work is more than just America, for sure. Um, and and I don't know. I think that's kind yep. of something that's been brought to mind recently because even though it's very similar, there are nuances sometimes. But anyways, I'm getting on a tangent already because I know you're someone who's fun to talk to. I know because I've heard you on a couple other interviews. <laughs> so after I heard you, okay. I thought <laughs> I definitely need you for my show. And I followed your work long before I heard your interviews. Um, you are on Instagram. Oh, cool. I think you have, do you have two accounts? I know you have Naked Pastor. That's your most famous one, right? Or your most well-known. Mm-hmm. And then you have a watercolor account, mm-hmm. is that correct? Yeah, I, I, this is one of my frustrations, right? Um, I, I do my cartoons and everything. That's what Naked Pastor is most known mm-hmm. for. But I also do watercolor, canvas, sculptures, music. I write books. I do public speaking. So I have all these irons in the fire, all these plates spinning. But, um, uh, when I when I show all my cartoons on my Instagram account, the way the algorithm works, I'll suddenly introduce a painting, and the algorithm goes, "What the heck is this?" <laughs> and it doesn't show anybody. Oh no! So I've started another account where I can show my art. Okay. You know, so yeah, it's very frustrating. That is frustrating. The algorithm is a beast. I have yet to understand. I'm not nearly as well known as mm. you, but I'm already feeling the strange rhythms of it. <laughs> Now it chooses to do its own thing. Yeah. It's very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. But a lot of my followers love your work. Um, Every time I share something on my story from you, you know, it gets a lot of responses. And I've had people request that you come on the show. So this is really fun. That's finally happening. Yeah. So I would love to hear a little bit about your spiritual journey and how you came to be Naked Pastor (laughs) because you did not start that way. I know from listening to some other things. So yeah, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so I'm, I'm like a lot of us. I grew up in a Christian home and uh, very um, sort of conservative. Uh, you know, my parents were, even though they were raised sort of Christian, 
they got born again at a Billy Graham crusade thing before they had kids. And so it's kind of that evangelical vibe, you know, in our house. Um, and then we, we went to a Baptist church and then we went to a Pentecostal church and then I went to a Pentecostal Bible college. That's where I met my wife, Lisa. We got married. I went to seminary in Boston, an evangelical seminary, progressive at the time. Um, and then long story short, I ended up uh, getting another master, like a, a, an MDiv. Okay. And then I got ordained. I got ordained in the Presbyterian Church in Canada. Okay. Quite a leap, I know. Uh, and then um, I ended up in the Vineyard Church, okay. which is, I don't know, kind of half evangelical, half kind of charismatic. And then I left the ministry in 2010. Uh, and, and I started to invest my, all my time into nakedpastor.com, my blog. Now, my blog, I started back in 2005. And I wanted to, um, you know, I was a pastor blogging like a lot of other pastors, but I wanted mine to be different. I wanted to sort of pull back the veil on what really goes on in the ministry, what pastors really struggle with, and, you know, just to be open and honest and vulnerable and transparent and raw and real and naked, mm -hmm. you know, just to be honest about everything I was going through and what really goes on in the church. And um, I don't know, I was about a year into it and I decided, like, I really like a good cartoon and I've been drawing ever since I was a little kid. And I thought, you know, I'm going to try to draw a cartoon, see what happens and challenge myself to draw a cartoon every day until I ran out of ideas. And I thought I might last a month. But here I am, 18 oh, years wow. later, still drawing cartoons every day. <laughs> that is wild. Yeah. And it is a daily yeah. thing for you, isn't it? Truly. Yeah. Truly every day. Yeah, I'm, I'm drawing. Yeah, I'm drawing or painting every day. Yeah. That's so neat. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And so can you tell us a little bit about what happened spiritually then? Because your content now, I don't know how it yeah. started, but your content now certainly doesn't seem to match maybe some of the... Um, education <laughs> that you started with no kidding yeah. <laughs> yeah well um so like i said i went to a pentecostal bible college and i started as a musician a music degree but i switched to bible and theology and i took greek and hebrew and then i i went to my seminary education to become a i wanted to be a biblical scholar wow. and so i got you know more greek more hebrew even Aramaic, wow. uh, the, all the biblical languages, and then, you know, studied theological French, theological German, blah, 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 all the, all the stuff to become a, a New Testament Bible scholar. Started my PhD at the University of Toronto, and then, you know, we got pregnant, and that derailed us from that, and we went, I ended up sort of by accident into the ministry. But what, what um, and, and I ended up in the Presbyterian Church because I was Pentecostal and that and that was back in the day when they were still suspicious of higher education mm. and um, it was quite unusual for uh, Pentecostals to go for their masters say in New Testament studies back then and um, after I was done that it was I found it very difficult to find a job but I had a Presbyterian friend who said he knew where I could get a job and it was in the Presbyterian Church in Canada where I'm from okay. and I ended up in the Presbyterian Church. Okay. But what, what, what happened was on the day of my graduation from seminary, I suddenly realized that I wasn't sure I believed in the inspiration of Scripture. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, for most people, it's like, well, yeah, duh. 
but for for me that was absolutely devastating because uh all i believed hinged upon the the bible the bible was the foundation of all my beliefs i thought you know and so when that rug was pulled out from under me it was completely absolutely devastating and that's what began my deconstruction and and so the way it affected me like i know some people that happens to them and they're like oh i've been duped you know that's it and they just reject it and walk away well for me it was more like i got to figure this out like um, the Bible has been important to me. It's played a major role in my life. I believe it carries truth, but I don't think it is the truth. Mm. And you know, and then I had to figure this out while I was in the ministry, and and it took decades, you know. Yeah. And finally, in two thousand nine, I had this profound moment, um, completely natural. I wasn't on anything, you know. But I had this moment where I just realized, or it was like this flash of insight where I just saw the oneness of everything. And it, it was like the last piece of a puzzle clicked into place. And I saw the whole picture. It was just like this beautiful moment where I finally had the peace of mind I've been looking for my entire life. Hmm. And it's never left. And I, I just sort of naively started sharing this online in my blog, Naked Pastor. Yeah. And of course, that got me in trouble. Hmm. with my denomination and to the point where one year later I decided to quit. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, and I would love to, if you're willing to go into maybe some of the things that had you questioning inspiration, because I got my master's yeah. degree in apologetics and it was a similar. It, That's intense. It was intense. It, I had loved apologetics before I got my master's degree because it was kind of giving me the security um, mm -hmm. and then when I got to a certain level of doing it, there were some things that really just smelled off and the way I was being taught yeah. it. And, and the Bible actually was one of them. Now for me, I think maybe my approach was a little different because I still, you know, I had a little different view of what that meant concerning God, but I would love to hear if, if you could share briefly, you know, what exactly kind of smelled off to you when you're in the middle of all this. Mm -hmm. Well, the the number one one was the um, inspiration of scripture, mm -hmm. right? And that's something that you do not play with when you're an evangelical or a conservative Christian of any kind. Uh, so for me, it was it was very devastating. It was I compare it to a Jenga block tower where you take out the piece at the bottom and the whole tower starts mm -hmm. shaking. That's that's what my sort of theological experience was. And and then that led to all kinds of things like that, you know, like people say it was the thin end of the wedge mm -hmm. that you know, once you insert that, then everything can split apart, everything can blow up. And so if all my theology came from that, then, you know, suddenly I was questioning, okay, uh, everything from, all right, well, obviously, you know, it wasn't a whale. Then it was a great fish, and then it was okay. Now, now I understand that's a a, a, a fable, mm -hmm. quite a interesting fable, and and you know then the creation and you know the flood and all the biggies, okay. and but then it it came down to things like okay, who's in, who's out? Mm -hmm. Is there such a thing as sacred and secular? That division, is there such a thing as 
righteous and unrighteous and holy and wicked and, you know, um, and then, you know, the whole question of who God loves and, and then even right down to what do we mean by God or was there a historical Jesus? Um, all these questions, right? And when you're, when you're in the ministry and you're supposed to be preaching this stuff, it, it's pretty unsettling. Uh, but I, I managed to find churches where I, could, I felt free to explore mm-hmm. and until you know, I, I hit the, the wall mm-hmm. in those congregations or whatever. Um, my last church I was in for about 15 years and I came to that place where I realized, okay, I, I, I can't grow here anymore mm. freely uh, without upsetting a whole lot of people. And so it was, it was better for me and probably the church that I left mm. at that time. So, you know, we're talking about who's in, who's out, you know, salva- the whole salvation idea, you know, questioning that. Um, the whole thing about uh, that we're evil even before we're born and, you know, uh, original sin and, um, you know, is, is there a God up there, you know, mm. and, uh, you know, all the different religions and so on. Because in 2009, when I had that profound moment, what I saw was that we all live in this one reality, but we all have our own experience of it. We all ap- apprehend it our own way and we all explain it or articulate it our own way but there's just one reality and so you know when you put religions in that story all all religions are attempting to explain one reality mm. there's not two or three or four or five realities there's one i believe yeah. there's one reality <laughs> you know like einstein there might be you know uh a you know uh a unifying theory of of unity, or it could be like the quantum physics, you know, where it's just chaos. Mm-hmm. But I still believe it's just one reality, yeah. and and that we all have our own perspective on it, and you know, experience of it, and explanation of it, and that's what religions are, mm-hmm. and philosophies, and ide- ideologies, and everything. So, you know, me wrestling with all those huge issues, like, and, and you know, we can boil it down. To, distill it down even further to LGBTQ reality, um, race, um, white, cis white gender privilege. Um, We could talk about um, women. We can talk about, uh, you know, all these issues, you know, Mm -hmm. and and that's what I, I struggle with all this time because Christianity, like most religions, is an exclusivist religion. Mm. Like you have to be a member in order to be saved. Yeah. And um, so I had real struggles with that. And I struggle with that all through my ministry. Who's in, who's out. Hmm. That is so interesting because I have heard, you know, especially during my degree, when people would critique those who are, now I know the term deconstruction for it, but critique people who are more progressive or whatever. There's often this mm-hmm. claim they reject objective truth. They want they want truth to be relative. And what you're hearing, and honestly what I believe too, is that's actually the opposite. It's because, and tell right. me if this is what you're saying, because I do believe that there is an objective truth. When things don't match up logically, something's off something's actually off and it i I don't know it's just really interesting to have Mm. that claim be made against the people 
who do deconstruct because I'm like, have you actually talked to us <laughs> sometimes? Humbly, I would say Christianity can't say it has all the truth. Mm, yeah. And, and um, you know, even Christianity's own scriptures mm. often say that um, those people who think they know don't know yeah. fully. Interesting, yeah. And, you know, when we, you know, you, you read Isaiah and other books in the Old Testament where it's clear God is at work in other countries mm-hmm. with other people. And, um, you know, th- I'm saying what the Bible yeah, says. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then, and then, you know, even in the New Testament where, you know, people come from Greece or wherever mm-hmm. to visit Jesus and everybody's alarmed um, or the Syrophoenician woman or you know, Paul with the Gentiles. I know a lot of people have problems with Paul. So, but I'm talking yeah. about Paul's whole deal with the Gentiles and the story of Acts. I mean, it's profoundly, it, it says a lot in the story of, of Acts where, you know, they send Barnabas to Antioch saying, go check this out. People are claiming that they yeah. <laughs> know Jesus up there. And, you know, Barnabas goes, checks it out and, and comes back and says, yeah, hmm. spirit of Jesus is there. And, and like, it, people are so, outrage because it's not happening in the center yeah. you know like it is there so so that that mm-hmm. seems to be and even Stephen's speech yeah. where he de- decentralizes the faith is uh you know it's profound i think that's one of the big um thrusts of scripture is how the ones who think they are in and exclude people are actually the ones who are out mm. That's such an interesting you know? thought. And, and that one of the most uh, upsetting stories should be one of the most upsetting stories or Jesus parables is when um, the pe- people are standing before, you know, God on the last day. And it's the people who were performing all the religious duties who got, so I never knew you. I never knew you. And it's the people who were just doing normal human duties visiting prisoners, giving water to the thirsty, uh, tending to the sick, feeding the hungry. And God said, that the, well done. And they're like, how, how, we, we, never, we, don't, we never knew you. Like we didn't. He says, yeah, but you did unto the least of these, you did it unto me, right? So it's like the, it's the religious people who think they're in who actually don't have a clue. And it's the people who are outside who are completely unconscious, of 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 divinity or the relationship with the divine or anything like that who are actually in and when i do cartoons around that theme it's it really really offends a lot of religious people because i think that's getting to the nerve of 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 what love is you know Hmm. that is so interesting so interesting that's what i've recently been thinking you know what how would I identify with the religion of Christianity? And I don't know fully, but part of it is I do think I've stumbled upon something true here, but I think it transcends this. And it sounds like almost that's a similar mm-hmm. thing. You Well, I don't know. I would love to hear about the role Christianity plays in your spirituality now. I know it's certainly um, the, the subject of a lot of your work, but for you personally, I'd mm-hmm. love to hear more about that, especially because it sounds like Maybe you're in the same camp as far as, you know, this thing cannot be, ultimate truth can't be contained in this one bubble. So 
What was my question? <laughs> Answer something. <laughs> what? Well, how does risk? Yeah. What role does Christianity play in my life? Yeah. Yeah. Answer that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <If you would. laughs> okay. Uh, I will. Um, I I like I I get often asked almost every day, "Are you a Christian or not?" And I say, "My home is in Christianity, but I have cottages mm-hmm. everywhere." And Christianity is in my DNA. That's my family of origin. That's where I've, you know, the church was my mother. My spiritual mother is my spiritual mother. You know, I had to leave home, though, because she was very controlling. Mm, <laughs> but um, so I, but that's my home. Okay. Now, but like when I say I have cottages everywhere, I get fed from many, many streams. I live on a river. I'm just going to show you. Can you see that? I do. How lovely. Oh, I love that. But that river is made up of many streams and springs. A lot of, it has a lot of sources. Mm-hmm. But that makes, that's the Kennebecasis River that I live on. Yeah. But it's, it's full of water from all kinds of sources. So you can go, I can go down to that river right now and fill a cup of water and say, that's the Kennebecasis River. In one way, I'm right. But another way, it's it not fully true. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel that we're that way. You're that way, I'm that way. Where, um, you know, we have many, many streams that have run through us and nourished us and given us, you know, sustenance and make us who we are. And so, yeah, Christianity is my home. But I got to a place where I wasn't finding the nutrition I needed from Christianity alone. And that's when I, you know, I started reading like people like Henry Nouwen, or Thomas Merton, a Trappist monk, um, and he was very interested in Eastern religions and Buddhism and, and so on. And he led me on to Zen Buddhism. He led me on to, you know, Sufism. Uh, led me on to Tibetan Buddhism. Uh, that led me to people like Krishnamurti, and then that led me to Eastern philosophy. And then I see him having an interview with a quantum physicist David Bohm and I read David Bohm and quantum physics and blah 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 and go on and on and on and so all these streams have fed me and make me who I am Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know I do remember sneaking away to a university library when I was a very young pastor and hiding in a corner to read a book on Buddhism or something because it was so taboo and then some other pastor comes up and says why are you reading that Hmm. we have enough to read in Christianity you don't need to be reading that because it's taboo. You're not supposed to be reading that stuff. Where That's where I, I found more nourishment. Now, does this mean I, I, I kicked Christianity off the table? No. Mm-hmm. It just means I, I supplemented it with other things. But you know what? Here's the interesting thing. When you go deeper into Christianity and you start delving into the deep end, mm-hmm. and by the deep end I mean like the cloud of unknowing or... Meister Eckhart, the, the, yeah. the Christian mystic theologian, um, or, you know, Catherine, uh, or, you know, other, St. Teresa and, and other, yeah. you know, mystical, um, mystical Christians, theologians, um, and saints, uh, then you start seeing a similarity between the way they're talking and the way some Buddhists are talking. Mm-hmm. And the way some Tibetans are talking, and the way some Eastern philosophers are talking, and the way some um, 
quantum physicists and scientists are talking and some philosophers are talking. They, they start sounding like they're talking about the same thing, slightly different words, but they are, they are starting to sound the same. Mm. And I compare it to, I'm talking a lot, but you asked. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I compare it to um, like a wheel. And in the center, you've got the hub, but you have spokes coming off. And so the spokes at the center are touching one another. But when they go further away from the hub, they're further separated from each other, the spokes. Mm. And so for me, I see religions and ideas and philosophies like that where the, the, the closer they get to the center, and by that I mean what's true, they start sounding the same. Mm. They start touching one another. But the more exclusive they want to be, uh, the more separated they are from each other. And so this is what I'm interested, the hub. I'm interested in that hub um, because I think that's where unity lies. That's where it comes together. You know, I'm not disparaging our distinctives. I think our distinctives are important. I think Buddhist distinctives are important. I think Christian distinctives are important. Atheist distinctives, whatever. I think they're important, but they have to figure out a way to think and speak in such a way that it brings us together and in that hub. Mm. That's what, what I think is important. That is so what needs to happen today. Oh, I love that. And probably because you're an artist, that visual is so helpful in thinking about that. Yeah, I know. I get that a lot. Uh, it's not like it's your expertise <laughs> or anything. No, but that's very helpful. So then do you think we will ever, this is a dual question, do you think we will ever know okay the hub be conscious of it and how important is that okay so lisa and i we've been married 43 years and our marriage keeps getting better and better and better i'm not saying we haven't had our issues we've had problems so we've almost split up a couple times like we've had real issues we've had to go to marriage counseling couples counseling uh, actually i'm more the problem than she is <laughs> that's a little that's a secret um, no, I'm serious. We've actually been in couples counseling and the, and the counselor will go, okay, um, Lisa, you don't need to come back. I just need to spend more time oh, with you. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is blowing my mind because everything I see, of course, I'm like, wow, what a marriage to uh, learn from. So we'll get into that later, but. Oh no, no, absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely. We have a great marriage. It keeps getting better. And if somebody were to ask me, you think there will come a day when you'll completely know Lisa? I hope not mm-hmm. because I love the discovery. It's fun and um, it's an adventure and it's like exploration. It's like, I love hiking. Lisa and I love forest bathing. We love going on long hikes and so on. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to know where you're going to end up. You don't want to know you don't want to have seen it all before. There's something exciting about new views. And so that's my view about, about um, religion and spiritual growth and all these pursuits and everything. I hope we don't come to the conclusion that we figured it all out mm-hmm. because I think that would be the end of our passion and, you know, the end of the search. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's where the fun is. I think that's where the, um, I think that's where the love is mm. and, you know, that's where the spark is. So, you know, that's one thing with Lisa and I, it's, it's the, the joy of continually learning more and more about one another. It's like a fathomless sea. Mm. 
of discovery. And, you know, some people say, oh, we've been married seven years and it's so boring being married to the same person and hanging out with the same person all the time. Well, obviously somebody has shut the valve off to their deeper selves mm. or maybe both have. Yeah. And because I think it's bottomless. And um, so I and I think it's that way, too, about religion. It's bottomless. Mm. And it sounds like you don't perceive any threat in not knowing which is something from evangelicalism there was a lot of threats mm. to not know the right things mm-hmm. so that is such a freedom that i'm starting mm-hmm. to try and step to into myself as well you're not unsafe if you don't know I know. <laughs> so you know and that's that's a thing i noticed too like i you know i'm very busy drawing and painting and writing and doing all this stuff right and so i'm not a I don't scroll a lot, except sometimes on TikTok. I get addicted to scrolling <laughs> on TikTok. But there, I, I hear rumors now and then that there's people downplaying or condemning deconstruction. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it is. It threatens uh, the security and the certainty of a religious mindset. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it really is. Don't you think? I do think it is, but I think hmm. it is so exposing. It's so exposing of of our desire to hold on so tight to a f- almost false sense of security. I mean, if we're not willing to examine it, how secure really is it? You know. <laughs> so, I, I think it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, from a content creator's perspective, I do not do nearly the amount of content you do. I have three little kids at home. It is struggle uh, to get done what I do but I have wondered a little bit looking at things like a lot of what you create is pointing out maybe the blind spots of the place you left and if I'm reading that correctly um, of of the blind spots of the church of evangelicalism and I wonder does that ever feel conflicting to you as you are trying to explore you know the endless well of new ideas does that ever feel like a, a burden perhaps of of the pe- because it's very important work what you and I both do but I think at times I have felt like it's almost hard for me to go on beyond it because I'm so focused on hey I want you guys to see that this isn't all it have you ever felt that tension and and how have you dealt with it if you have yeah I'm in a weird place and I, I guess you are too Liz where um I, I feel like I'm in the margins mm. And where, you know, a lot of people have said to me, will you please just leave us alone? Like you've left and you've been kicking this dead horse for years. Like, why can't you just leave us alone? You're not a part of us anymore anyway. Something like that. <laughs> and and it's, be, it's because I care about the people who are questioning their relationship mm-hmm. with Christianity and the church and their beliefs. And maybe are on tr- in transition out of that. I care about those people, mm-hmm. and um, it's because I I love the church. I'm not an enemy of the church. I think the enemy uh, the the church is a profound has a profound potential to form really healthy, exciting communities. Mm-hmm. But it drops the ball because it's not willing to allow people their freedom. Mm-hmm. People's individual freedom and independence and autonomy and agency is very threatening to most churches and pastors and, and leaders. 
and, and so they don't allow it. They, they, they are obsessed about managing people, which really is controlling people, which really is manipulating people, which really is coercing people, mm-hmm. which really is abusing people. Yeah. And, and so I'm like, can, you know, I believe in the church and I, 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 I believe we should have the right to gather together, but please, can we do it in a healthy manner? That's all, yeah. that's all I'm asking. Yeah. Can we do it in a healthy manner? And um, so that's why I keep, you know, addressing this. It's not like, um, it's not like I'm continually uh, ranting about my ex yeah. or something bitterly. It's 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 like I, I really believe the church has the potential to really serve us, um, instead of us serving it, hmm. and so. Uh, I think I, I'm going to keep on keeping on yeah. doing what I'm doing, and because I, you know, I know I'm helping people. I'm helping people either stay with a, a renewed sense of self and who feel more free and independent, or I'm helping people find new communities that are healthier, or I'm helping people leave toxic communities, mm-hmm. dysfunctional communities. And I'm helping people question their beliefs and how to discover how to be spiritually independent. Because I believe you have the right to decide how to be spiritual. And, and I want to be there for you to help you figure that out. Mm-hmm. I love creating safe spaces for people to question and explore and to become their most authentic self. And that's what I'll continue doing. I love that. So have, has that ever felt like con- a confliction with you um, exploring or not so much? I, I don't know if there was a tension there. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, no, there's no tension because, um, see, the the whole naked pastor idea was not me teaching as much as me sharing what I'm going through. Okay. It's about me and my journey. Uh, I didn't know people were going to relate to it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to resonate with people. But apparently it does. Apparently there's more people like me and like you who are questioning things and want things to be better and don't want to be abused anymore and want to enjoy community mm-hmm. in a healthy way and, and so on. So um, so because Naked Pastor is about me and my journey and me being naked about myself, mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel I have a responsibility not only personally to grow, it's my it's my right and responsibility to grow, but I'm going to share it. Yeah. And if it if it uh, you know connects with people, then great. If not, that's no problem. Mm-hmm. But I'm finding that it does connect with a lot of people after all. Because yeah. so that's my number one thing. It's like a painting or my cartoons. My number one. My number one. My job one, is is not to try to make something that'll sell or make something that'll go viral or any, my number one job is to express myself. Mm. And if it connects with people, then that's a plus. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's so neat to hear. I, as I have been in, in songwriting, I was on a label and did all this stuff. So it's just really interesting to hear another artist talk about how that intersected with the spiritual process. Really? You, you're you a recorder? You're yes, a singer-songwriter? Yes. Yep. Awesome. Yes, for advertisement, so nothing like on the radio or anything. But um, it 
Well, good Thank for you. you. Wow. Yeah, well, and I think I almost had to deconstruct that. <laughs> um, deconstruct maybe used in a different way. That sort of career path because I thought that was this God-given, God-ordained, you know, thing that was going to mm-hmm. bring all these people to the gospel. Mm-hmm. It, anyway, it's just been a whole thing. But I love hearing how other artists think about the expression because um for me there uh, there were such uh rigid lines of what art could look like before now it's i would be curious oh did, yeah were you an artist or, or did you do a lot of art before your deconstruction or or was that sort of after no i i've been drawing and painting my whole life i, I grew up in a home where there was art and my dad was an artist okay. on the side and he was constantly drawing and painting and you know, so it it just came naturally to me. Right. Uh, it's in my genes, but also I was surrounded by art. Yeah. And so I just, I don't ever remember not drawing or sketching or painting. Yeah. Of course, you know, I had a lot of people around me also saying, that's not how you do that, <laughs> yes. you know, but I found my own style. Yeah. You know, I found my own style and it, I, I belligerently and stubbornly stuck to it. Yeah. And that's how I express myself. Hey, have you read the book by uh, Rick uh, Rubin, uh, The Creative Act? No, I haven't. Oh, man, you've got to get that book. You've got to get that book, Liz. Okay. Seriously. It's in my top 10 now. Okay. It's in my top 10 now. Oh, okay. Absolutely. If you're a creator of any kind. But he's a music producer. Okay. Like, he's produced big, big, big names. Yeah. And um, you, you might have seen him interviewed by... Uh, Anderson Cooper and stuff. Okay. He's this guy with big, long gray hair and a big, long gray beard, and he see. sits cross-legged on a chair. And it's just, it's just so freaking amazing. Okay. Uh, but it's, I, I tell all creators, you got to read the that book. Creative act. I will look into it. Yeah, I definitely will. Well, yeah. can we talking about your art and you? I know you talk about your Sophia series a lot, but could we touch on that because? Hmm. If I believe, let me see what I wrote down here. I believe you said you did, what, 62 drawings with this character, Sophia. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she represents you. And I mm-hmm. and I believe that she's kind of a favorite among your audience. Would you, would you be able to tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about Sophia and David? <laughs> yeah, so I, I left the ministry. And I didn't realize how traumatic it was until my wife told me one day, you need therapy. No. <laughs> so... I, I started getting thick and I, I knew she was right. Like I, I was a year, it was a year after or maybe more after I left the ministry in the church and she was full-time university student. She went to university to get her nursing degree okay. at 48 years old. She graduated when she was 52. Wow, go her. And, uh, but I, I was a mess. I, I thought I was okay, but actually I was just numb. I, you know, there's three reactions to trauma flight fight and freeze and i my favorite method is to freeze and i didn't realize it but i was actually frozen and um just wasn't feeling anything which i thought was fine you know so i went to therapy and i got coaching and blah 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 long story short i realized that um you know i i needed i needed to heal and then one day i was sitting down drawing and I remember Lisa sitting here in this chair reading a book or something. It was on a Sunday afternoon. We hadn't gone to church that day, of course, because I'd left the ministry. And I was drawing, and I, I drew this picture of this girl holding up a teddy bear to a giant grizzly bear who was towering over her. And I called it Fearless. And Lisa was like, 
what's that? Like, I've never drawn anything like that. It was very unusual. I thought, I don't know, I just felt like drawing it. And then every week after that, when she'd go to work or whatever and, and go to school, I would draw another one, and then I drew another one, then I drew another one. I'd, and I didn't realize what I was doing until about eight drawings in, when I was drawing the cave, actually. It's where she's standing before the big mouth of a cave, and there's vines, and it looks very dark and scary. And um, I realized, oh, my God, I'm drawing my journey. This is my story. Mm-hmm. Of, and, and, and it all ended up in a book called The Liberation of Sophia. The name just came to me, Sophia, and it's Greek for wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I and I and and she's a woman because um, you know there's the Jungian thing of my anima finding expression um, through my art, but it's also my my feminine side, my female aspect, which I felt was oppressed and suppressed in the church. Like I couldn't like and I'm speaking in a binary way, the old-fashioned way. You know, I'm speaking from that perspective at that time, you know, men are from Venus or <laughs> men are from Mars, yeah, women are from Venus or whatever. Yeah. And, and that whole binary way and, and that the whole female side of me, you know, traditionally speaking, you know, the sensitive and tender and nurturing and compassionate and forgiving and gracious and creative and mothering and birthing and all these things I felt I had to hide as a, as a pastor in the ministry mm. and in, in the church generally. And now, now that I was out of the ministry, you know, typically I was like, you had to be strong. You had to be a leader. You had to be a visionary. You had to be an organizer and a manager and a blah, blah, blah. Mm. And, and th- this whole creative side of me uh, was hidden. And then you know, when I started drawing Sophia, I realized this whole side of me was allowed to express herself and to find her freedom, mm-hmm. and which included being on, even more honest and more vulnerable and more transparent and, you know, more compassionate and, and everything. So, yeah, it, it ended up um, that I drew, it, I ended up drawing 62 drawings, 59 drawings are in the book, mm-hmm. but um, that's that whole story was very it's almost miraculous to me it's a very profound moving story for me because it was a cathartic spontaneous expression of what I was going through at the time and I didn't even realize it was almost like unconsciously you know me just blah you know just spilling my guts onto onto the page and that's what came out and I, I feel more whole and integrated and more myself than ever before and ever that I could be in the church. Mm. That's so interesting. I am so interested in, yeah. that, in that division that we have between, and I, I don't know all the language, but that division inside a single person of male and female, like what we've, what we have said is male and female and how we say this is okay. And this isn't okay for you. And, and all of that, especially in regard to the church, because I do think it shows up there so much, you know. Well, especially today, like, like I follow a lot of uh, women and feminist women and, and so on, on on TikTok, for example. And that toxic masculinity mm-hmm. thing, the church 
you know, nurtures that. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, I think the church has always been, or at least leans towards being patriarchal mm. and sexist and even misogynistic and this whole toxic masculinity. You got to be masculine, mm. you know, you got to be the leader, you got to, you know, take up the staff and part the Red Sea and lead your people to the promised land and blah, 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 you know. And and that whole aspect of, of just nurturing and caring and loving and mm-hmm. being present and just, you know, uh, being at, at home and making cookies and just enjoying the space. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? I'm, I'm speaking old-fashionedly. Yeah. But that, that whole thing was, was is... And we're seeing it today, this toxic masculinity and women wanting to be recognized as equal and and, and so on. It's really, I'm finding it really fascinating. And I'm learning a lot. You know, I'm I'm learning a lot and I'm working on it. And Lisa's helping me and other feminists are helping me. And so, but that's, Sophia was really um, that sort of breakthrough for me that was really important and yeah. You know, it's been a very profound path for me. That's so interesting. And I, I don't know if this would be the correct phrase. I, I feel like for myself, I don't know if toxic femininity is appropriate, but in some ways I've been thinking recently, especially in regards to purity culture, which I want to get into with you concerning some of your work in a second. But I, I've thought, wow, some of the ways I was told to amplify only one side has hurt me like and that's the thing I think we think sometimes you can see something like toxic masculinity and it's a quick jump for some people to say like well then you hate men if you're going to talk like this it's like no 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 this is something that hurts men women Mm -hmm. it hurts us all and I think that's Mm -hmm. the same thing when I think of inappropriate ways femininity have been expressed in the church and at times I do think that is a thing too and 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 I want to preface everything we talk about when we talk about your, your art that has to do with purity culture and sex and all of that. I feel like I am very humbly realizing I am at, at, like at square one concerning purity culture. There's so much I've dissected academically, intellectually, you know, concerning the Bible. But I think mm-hmm. I thought I had emerged fairly unscathed in that department. So I did not look into it very closely. And it seems like even recently, even just yesterday, uh, someone was telling me mm-hmm. how over in Europe, well, not I don't even think it's in Europe, just how how people who were grew up atheist have such different ideas on consent sometimes than I thought was uh, prevalent, <laughs> you know, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm thinking, what in the world? What, what, what are my blind spots? I think there are many. But one thing concerning that topic I found very helpful is when mm-hmm. I run across your cartoons that have to do Mm-hmm. with sex it seems like you i often see the ones where it's like the christian couple on their wedding night being flabbergasted or being like god's watching <laughs> us you know and they're humorous but they're so also so spot on and so i guess yeah. what I, I just i would love to hear um i think for a while were you doing sort of a weekly sort of more <laughs> explicit cartoon is that correct or there was something like that yeah no i still do okay. it I've been doing it for a few months now, and uh, I call them Sexy, Sexy Sunday. Sunday. Okay, but they're, <laughs> I knew it had a name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they're they're uh, it's it's difficult for me because, um, like, for on TikTok, for example, 
they get so easily banned, like they get taken down uh, yeah. uh, because they're, they violate community standards or whatever. Um, and they're, they're harmless. I mean, the, yeah. there's not really nudity. They're not yeah. explicit, but uh, <laughs> I guess two people in bed is enough for them yeah. to, you know, turn <laughs> it much. off. So it, it's, it, I'm turning, I'm, when I get enough, I'm going to make a book out of them, though. Uh, and it's going to be NSFW for sure, uh, but NSFC, uh, not suitable for church okay, either. Okay, <laughs> there we go, yes. But, but um, yeah, the whole purity culture thing, uh, I just wrote a post about it today. I haven't posted it yet, but it, it's just, it's so deep and insidious because I've had people come on and say, what's wrong with purity mm. and what's wrong with a culture that supports it? But it goes deeper, much deeper than that, because purity culture, number one, it's anti-body. Hmm. It's anti-your body, suspicious of the flesh. You know, uh, you can't trust it. It can't be trusted. It needs to be controlled. It needs to be tamed. And, you know, you're, you grow up suspicious of your body and your body's sensations and your passions and your feelings and your desires and your hormones and everything. The second thing is that it, its primary weapon is shame to control people. And shame is toxic. It's, we all know that even though shame may prevent somebody from harming somebody, it is long-term uh, an ineffective tool for change. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, I'm against that, shame, shaming people for desiring sex or wanting sex or wanting sex in a certain way with certain people or whatever. That whole realm for me is very toxic and unhealthy and then finally i think it has its roots in um, the patriarchy and misogyny because even wikipedia says its main concern is um, the uh, virginity of women Mm. and and so uh, because we all know that a woman's reputation and future is a lot more at stake with her sexual lifestyle than a man's and 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 so i think those are the three big problems i have with purity culture and i think you know i i'm seeing so many people so many people message me because they're too shy to say so on the in the comments but they'll message me and just tell me how grateful they are for my sexy sunday cartoons because it's helping them heal and realizing the stupidity or the silliness or the damage that uh, purity culture is all about so i'm going to keep doing them for a while and see where it goes i i you know i i try to make them as pg as possible sometimes it's difficult but um, i'm going to save some juicy ones for the book (laughs) i feel like they're very helpful very helpful for so many and i really appreciate them so well, as we as we wrap up, um, I'm not sure if I really asked you questions on my page here that we prepped, but I appreciate your time so much. Um, and yeah, I just could you tell us where where is the best place for people to connect with you, and where might they find your work if they would like to purchase some of it? Okay, so nakedpastor.com is home base. That's my base camp, and um, you can reach me from there. Uh, but my most active and fun place to hang out is Instagram and I do my best to moderate that and facilitate it being as safe a space as possible so um, I welcome you to come and follow me on Instagram and that will keep you up to date on everything I'm doing
If this episode was meaningful to you, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash deconstructing the myth so that episodes like today's keep coming.